Amen. Thank you, Sheila. Appreciate that. Thank you, Tristan, worship band, for leading us in worship today. It's great to see all of you. How you doing? All right. I got a few goods out there. Glad you're doing well. If you are a guest, don't forget to fill out that uh, card. If you didn't put it in the offering plate, hand one of those folks out in the floor. You get a free gift, all right? All right, it's great to see you. I want to call your attention to the bulletin. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Uh, rather than asking you, as I have the past three weeks, to shoot me a text, I'm going to ask you if you will write down a God sighting that you have had uh, recently or could be further back. And uh, at the end of the service, we're going to gather those and lay them out here on the platform, this altar area. And uh, we're going to be posting those uh, next week in the sanctuary. So if you would share that, you can write your name on it. You can put your first and last name. You don't have to put a name. But whatever you'd like to do, uh, we'd love to have you share that with us. I'm going to start where I... (coughs) talk with you last week, and then we're going to pick up and apply that to our lives today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your compassion and for your love. I pray that you would bless this time now as we look at your word. Speak to us as only you can. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was about 12 years ago. We were living in Katy's, Kentucky. Anybody here ever heard of Katy's, Kentucky? Several of you have. Some of you may have even been there. It's a small town in the western part of our state. Population 2,347, plus or minus a few dogs and cats. And we live smack dab on Main Street. Main Street, Cadiz, Kentucky, small town, USA. Uh, The church where I pastored was maybe three blocks uh, in one direction. uh, And just below that, another block was downtown Cadiz. If you go back the other way, about a quarter of a mile, you would get to Trigg County High School, the local school, It wasn't only the high school there on campus, it was the high school, it was the middle school, and the elementary school, all there right in the same place. Go another quarter of a mile up past the high school, and you would get to the hospital. Not a big hospital, probably about the size of a nursing home here uh, in our community. Uh, But everything happened right there on Main Street in our community, and we lived smack dab in the middle of it. And so if there was a Christmas parade, gather at our house, and people would come over, watch the parade. Some other uh, event going by, they'd walk past our house. It was kind of an interesting place to live. Well, it happened to be on Martin Luther King Monday that uh, the Ministers Association had sponsored uh, this gathering of uh, people in the community to kind of show a a walk for unity, and so uh, I was part of the association, so I walked over to the school, which isn't very far, remember, and uh, we met there for a few moments, and then we began walking uh, back toward downtown. We're going to end up at this Black Baptist Church in our community, 
it's maybe a mile total walk uh, from uh, the school down to that church. And almost halfway in the middle was our house. So we had been meeting for five or ten minutes at the school. We began walking toward the church, which was located just outside of downtown. Got to my house. I thought, I could just go home now. I told Monique I'd be gone 30 minutes, maybe 45, less than an hour. It's already been 25, 30 minutes. I thought, I I could just go home. But I thought, nah, I'll go ahead and and finish the walk. So I walked down there to downtown and uh, walked over to the church. There were about 40 or 50 of us walking and then got to the church, and there's a lot more people down there. There's like 150 to 200 people gathered there, and uh, they're all going inside. I thought, well, I didn't know that. I thought, but I found out they're offering donuts. Now, pastors are kind of like police officers, you know, free donut. Yeah, get me one. And so I went inside and got a donut, and then I found out um, they're not just offering donuts. Now they're going to have a worship service. I've already been gone for an hour now. Should I stay or should I go? You ever heard that 80s rock and roll song? It's a bunch of heathens. Okay. (laughs) Should I stay or should I go? So I'm just kind of waiting. I'll I'll just go in there and sing a couple of songs, sneak in the back and sneak out. So I do that. And um, about 10 minutes into the service, I'm getting ready to leave, and, and they call me up on the stage. Pastor Kevin, you have you ever been to a black church? It's really amazing, uh, especially if you're a preacher, because like, man, you're a big deal if you come in there. And uh, and so they want me to come up on the stage and sit with all the ministers. Like, ah. they kind of almost drug me up there. So I go up there. So like, I really need to go. And I'm dressed in blue jeans and tennis shoes and a sweatshirt, and they're decked out. You know how it is. And it's like. Monique probably wouldn't think somebody kidnapped me. Not that anybody would, but she's wondering what in the world had happened. And, and so. Uh, I'm up there on the stage thinking, should I stay or should I go? And finally, they had a prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just snuck out of there and I went all the way home. I don't know if they thought the rapture occurred or not, but they probably thought they would have been gone if it had. But anyway, it was an uncertain uh, time, a decision. What am I going to do here? What's going to happen? Where should I go? What should I do? And, And life is filled with those things. There's always uh, decisions to make. There's always uncertainty that happens around us. It might be about going to school. It might be taking a job. It might be about getting married. It can be all kinds of different things. Here in Isaiah chapter 6, we see the people of God in a place of uncertainty. Their king, Uzziah, had just died. He'd been king for 52 years. That's a long time to be in office. No term limit. And uh, he was there for 52 years, and now he is dead, and they're in a transition period. On top of that, there is a potential enemy king who's on the move, and he's coming kind of in their direction, and it's just uncertainty. If you're a person like Isaiah and the people of Israel, quite possibly at that time. And so that's where we find Isaiah the prophet here in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. He begins like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. How many of you know that's a great place to start? I saw the Lord. Uzziah had been king for a long time, but I've got an eternal king. Uzziah may have been a powerful king. I got a more powerful king. Uzziah might have been 
well known throughout the people of Judah, but my God is worthy to be famous in all the universe. We might be in an uncertain time, but my God's not an uncertain time. Not an uncertain God. He's a God who's there. He's a God who cares. He's a God that said, come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden. He says to us, take my yoke upon you. He calls us to come to him. He tells us he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is a God who is there. And Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He continues. It was during the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was seated on the throne. High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The word train here refers to royal robes. The Lord's robe filled the temple. God's presence was filled the place of worship. That's a hugely important key to worship. Would to God that when we gather together, God's presence would fill this place as only God can fill it. Amen? There's something different about just gathering together and singing some songs and listening to a sermon than it is meeting with Almighty God. There's something different uh, about simply saying, hey, we're going to say a few prayers and we're going to read some scriptures and all that's wonderful and powerful, amazing, good, we've got to do that. But when God fills a building... Filled with his people, not the walls, but he fills us with his spirit. It makes all the difference in the world, does it not? Now, that's not saying we should be lazy in our preparation. I don't want to come up here on Sunday morning and say, you know what, I really didn't study this week. I'm just waiting for a word from the Lord, and here it is. We're not encouraging Tristan and the praise band to say, we don't practice this week. Just show up and see what God does. It probably wouldn't be that great. It wouldn't be near as good as it was this morning. What we encourage you to do, by the grace of God, is be prepared. Be people who do things with excellence, whatever we do. But ultimately know this. Everything that we have depends upon our God. Verse 2. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Here are these literal angelic creatures hiding their faces from the greater glory of God, covering their feet as a sign of humility. Verse 3, and one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I don't know if the seraphs were singing or speaking, but I do know they had something to seek, speak and to sing about. Amen? Verse 3 continues, and they were crying, Holy, holy, holy. In the Hebrew language, there was no punctuation. They did not have exclamation points. So in order to emphasize the word, they would repeat it. It's as though they were saying in all caps with exclamation points, holy, holy, holy. Say it with me. Holy, holy, holy. How many of you believe that our God is a holy God. He is more holy than we can ever begin to imagine. He is more holy than we can ever begin to describe. He is completely and utterly holy. The Spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit. Our God is a holy God. Question. When is the last time you stood or you knelt or you bowed your head or you raised your hands 
in honor, in recognition of the presence of the holy God. Our God is holy. He's awesome. He's perfect. He is worthy of our worship like we could never begin to explain or describe or even imagine. First week continues. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Would to God that your life and my life and our lives individually and together would be filled with his glory. When we gather for worship, that God's presence and God's anointing power would be filling this room so much that we could not help but leave here changed. When we leave this building, we will reflect his glory because we have been changed by the word of God and by the spirit of God. God's holy presence is so evident in the temple. Isaiah tells us that the foundations, verse 4, of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Can you imagine? This holy smoke is not coming from a modern day machine in a contemporary worship service. This smoke was literally coming from God and it was filling the temple with his presence. How awesome. Now notice Isaiah's presence or response in verse 5. And I said, woe is me. For I'm lost. I'm ruined. I'm undone. I'm disintegrated. I'm crumbling. I'm, I'm shattered. I'm broken. It's doomsday. I'm as good as dead. Isaiah continues. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Here he is again recognizing his own inadequacy. Listen, the closer we get to God, the brighter the searchlight on our own sin. And the more God shines his light on our sin, the more we realize how flawed and imperfect and utterly unworthy we are. Isaiah continues. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was a great man. But Isaiah is not comparing himself to other people. He's comparing himself to God. And that is a totally different story. You see, our tendency is to compare ourselves to others. You may think, well, I'm better than her, I'm better than him, I'm better than my husband, I'm better than my wife, I'm better than my neighbor, and you may be, I don't know. You may say, I'm better than the deacons, I'm better than the pastor, and you may be, I don't know. But I know this, you're not better than God. None of us compare to the greatness and the holiness and the goodness and the amazingness of our God. Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah 64.6 says, Your righteous deeds, your best deeds on your best day are but filthy rags in the sight of our God. Isaiah senses his own inadequacy. And he also realized there was a world around him that needed God as well. So he continued, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're a sinner. Some of you enjoyed that way too much. You are. You are a flat out sinner and so am I. Everybody other than Jesus Christ 
who's ever lived. We've all sinned. We've all blown it. In fact, sinning is the most democratic thing we do. We all participate. Everybody sins. Did you know that? Romans 6.23 says, The wages, the payment for our sin is death, separation from God, one day hell, for anyone who does not turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. That's the bad news. But the good news is this, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank God. You are spiritually helpless and hopeless without God, and so is the rest of the world. Some of you may be thinking, I'm not all that bad compared to some other people, but compared to God, you're a horrific, terrible sinner. But thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank God that there's hope, there is forgiveness through Christ our Lord. Verse 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Isn't that great? Look at what he said again. One of the seraphim, one of these angelic creatures, flew over to Isaiah, having in his hand a burning coal that he'd taken with tongs from the altar. Then he goes over to Isaiah, and he touches his mouth with the coal. Now, it does not burn him physically, okay? I can imagine what that would be like. It doesn't do that. But here's what happens. Behold, this coal has touched your lips, Isaiah, And guess what happened? Your guilt is taken away. How many of you need your guilt taken away today? And your sin atoned for. Amen? Amen. How many of you could use a fresh touch from God today? Probably all of us. Some of us might be thinking, I could use one physically. I understand that. I'm not getting any younger. In fact, I was over at a... uh, Extended Care Assisted Living Facility. About three weeks ago, just visiting somebody, feeling pretty good about myself, and somebody comes in to also visit the same person. They don't know me, and they look at me, and they say, Do you live here? No. I don't live here, okay? Just saying. Sometimes we could use some, some help physically, right? And sometimes God does that for us. I've been having this sciatic nerve going on for about two years in my back, and I'll be standing around 85-year-old people, and they'll just be standing there talking for like 15, 20 minutes. After about five minutes, I'm like, i got to go over here and sit down. But I got a shot about three weeks ago. And you know what? Right now I'm doing great. I got another shot last week. They said, Kevin, your back could be good for the rest of your life. I said, Hallelujah, praise God. I got to admit, I'm a little cheap, though. When they wanted to give me that shot, they said, now, what we normally do is the local anesthesia will knock you out. You can't do anything for about 24 hours. I said, how much does it cost? said, 100 bucks. I said, I ain't doing it. Just give it to me, all right? I don't want to pay another 100 bucks, so I saved $200 on those two shots. Amen? Just hurts for a little while, okay? Now, I'm not recommending that if you plan to do that, but I'm just saying. But sometimes we get a touch physically, and we praise God for that. But God is always 
wanting to work in our lives spiritually. He is a God who is at work to change us from the inside out. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. He's not talking about getting a new physical body in this life. He's talking about becoming a new person in him. Romans chapter 12 says he wants us to renew our minds moment by moment and day by day. It's become increasingly more like Jesus Christ. God is wanting to Do a work in your life today to change you from the inside out. And he's speaking to you. He's calling you. He's pleading, will you not let me be in control of your life? He knows what he's doing. He's never made a mistake. And he's in the business of changing lives that are going to make a difference for all of eternity, starting right here and right now. Won't you let him have his way in your life? The confession of Isaiah's sin led to the response of God's cleansing. God cleanses us before he uses us. 2 Timothy 2.20 says, In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special services, and some are for more common use. Here's the idea. Back in the New Testament, in a more wealthy home, gold and silver dishes were used for serving. Serving the family and other guests, and the wood and clay dishes were used for repulsive duties, such as disposing of garbage and the filthy waste. How many of you have a garbage can in your house? Okay? Hopefully you do. How many of you have any, like, fine china, or at least some pretty good dishes? Probably have that as well. Do you not? Suppose you were going over to somebody's house, and they fixed you an excellent meal. My wife's a really good cook. Some of you are as well. Pat Howell, other people in our church do an amazing job cooking. I appreciate that so very, very much. You guys, ladies, some of the guys too, do an an incredible job cooking. But suppose you went to somebody's house and they were having this amazing meal. It was totally delicious. T-bone steak and, and corn on the cob, fried chicken, whatever your favorite dish is. I mean, it's just all there. And you're just, you're just famished. You just can't wait to eat. But when they serve the food, rather than getting clean plates out, they went over to the sink. And those dishes had not been washed. There's dried up ketchup on there and dried up mustard. And there's some leftover meatloaf from three days earlier. And they slap that steak on top of that meatloaf and that dried up ketchup and mayonnaise and mustard. Think, yeah, give me some of that. You're not going to want to eat it, are you? It's a similar idea with us and God. God is looking for vessels that are clean. God is looking for vessels that he can use for his glory. And he's calling us. The Bible says, he continues there in Timothy, if a man cleanses himself from these things, from these sins, he'll be a, someone that God can use for his glory and for his honor and for noble purposes in his kingdom. How many want to be used by God? Then allow God to cleanse you and wash you and change you and fill you so that he might use you. To change the world. The confession of Isaiah's sin led to the response of God's cleansing. God cleanses us before he uses us. To paraphrase one well-known pastor, God isn't looking for perfect people, but he's looking for a purified people. Isaiah confessed his sin, and he made a commitment to serve. Go to verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, 
whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Worship comes full circle here. If you've truly worshiped God, if you've truly entered into his presence, it will change your life. Don't measure your worship simply by the number of goosebumps you got while we're singing a song. Don't measure your worship by whether or not you raised your hand or you clapped your hand or you got a feeling when we sang a song or you heard a scripture being read. Measure your worship not only by what we do in here, but how it impacts your life as you live it out there. Don't measure your worship simply by what happens in this place. Measure your worship by how it affects how you live out there in the marketplace. Don't measure your worship simply based on emotion or a feeling or a physical posture while meeting together in a room. Measure your worship by your obedience to God as you live a life of worship moment by moment and day by day. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that others may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. How is your life being changed by the power of God and your relationship with Jesus Christ? God doesn't want to just save you. He wants to change you and use you for his glory. I close with this. Once upon a time, there was a small community that consisted primarily of ducks. Literally. Literally ducks. D-U-C-K-S. Now they had a few geese and a couple of swans, but basically the community was made up of ducks. They had a duck shopping mall. Can you imagine that? They had a duck hospital. They had a duck school system. They had duck dentists, duck bankers. I mean, it was just a community made up of ducks. They even had a duck church pastored by a duck pastor. One Sunday morning, that duck pastor got on a roll. He began to preach He said, God has given us legs so we can walk. There's a quack over here, a quack over there, another quack back here. And he continues, says, and God has given us feathers so we can float. Another quack going on here, more quacking, a little bit more quacking, more quacking going on. And the pastor, he's really getting into that. He says, and God has given us web feet so we can swim. And the crowd is going crazy. Then he says this, and God has given us wings so we can fly. And ducks are flying everywhere, all over the room. There's quacking, there's flying, there's feathers going everywhere. It's incredible. It's amazing. Pastor finished the sermon, said the benediction prayer. All those ducks gathered their Bibles and their books together and their bulletins, and they, they waddled out of the church. They waddled to work the next morning. They waddled to school the next day. 
They waddled everywhere they went. Next Sunday, they waddled right back into church, unchanged. God's not looking for us to simply worship him for a few moments to be excited. God is looking for people who worship him. And as we worship him, we allow him to change us from the inside out. He's at work in your world today. He's calling you to follow him. I want you to take just a moment right now, look at your bulletin, and think and pray about a God sighting that God may be dealing with in your life. Maybe something that he's shown you in the past several days, weeks, months, even further back. And take a moment to write that down. Then I'm going to pray, and we're going to stand, we're going to sing. And I'm going to ask those of you who will to take those bulletins where you wrote that down and just lay them up here on the stage. Let it become a place where we are sharing what God is doing in our lives. You can write your name on there and sign it if you like, uh, or you can make it anonymous. It's totally up to you. Next Sunday, we're going to post those right here in the worship center so you can watch and see what God is doing in the lives of people around you.